It's the bottom line on News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome into the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA 547-1610 is our number if you'd like to get involved. Also via email, 610KONA.com, the bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you would like to say. We're on Twitter, bottom line 610, parlor at the bottom line 610, and available through the free mobile app as well on Google Play and the Apple Store. Rob Francis, Ed Dawson hanging with you. And Ed, how many times have we heard the statement, elections have consequences? Yeah, we we've we heard, you know that didn't that phrase first come around after Obama got elected? Yeah, right around there and I believe it came out of his mouth actually. Yeah, could have been. Um here's 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 another example of where elections have consequences and it's right here in our own backyard. Uh, coming out yesterday on mynorthwest.com is a budget proposal by the Washington State Department of Corrections. Okay. They are aiming to lower the prison population by 30%. 30%. That's almost one-third of the inmates held in all of the facilities in the state of Washington. It's quite a bit. It is. They're looking at cost-saving measures. Okay. Because, look... Apparently, there were calls by the governor's administration to cut the DOC budget by 15%. In that call, it said, quote, there must be a significant and permanent reduction in prison population. Apparently, they also have a plan. Well, I would hope so. That's yeah. a pretty big cut. Now, wh- now, if you're gonna like, where would you, where would you think to go with a plan like that? I mean, how would you begin putting that on paper as to how you're going to uh, cut 15 percent from your budget uh, while there being a significant and permanent reduction in prison population? What, what would you target? Um, where would you begin as far as the the prison population and identifying those that you may be able to? Um, trim the fat, so to say. Mm. Certain category, certain type of offense. Yeah, I guess if I had to do that, I would probably, you know, look at either shortening sentences or, um, and trust me, I'm not in favor of this, but since you asked the question, shortening sentences, but uh, primarily on, the the lighter offenses, you know, the the white collar crimes, uh, would be you know one way to do it. Certainly not on the more, I guess, um, what do I say? It, the more dramatic crimes. I you know obviously you don't want to cut the prison terms for people that are, yeah. uh, you know, murderers and and uh, you know people have uh, attacked people, rape. Uh, molestation, all that sort of thing. So you would have to, you would have to go after some of the the lighter crimes, and you know maybe trim the sentences that way. I suppose. I mean, I don't really like that idea. Period. But 
After we go to the call, I'll uh, I'll let you know what their plan is. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610K. When your name, where are you calling from? Hey, guys, how about uh, cutting off on their – how much does it cost for their TV to get piped in there? Uh, what, else, what else do they get when they're in prison? I mean, all the freebies that they get when they're in prison, like uh, commiss- – not commissary, but uh, – how about we just cut back on food so they're not don't have enough energy to riot? Well, yeah, interesting thought, but of course you know that that would be lawsuit after lawsuit in no, that regard. You, you can't you can't withhold food or shelter or medication or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I suppose if you if you. But the way you posed it, though, Rob, was to have a reduction in the number of inmates over the long haul. And that's the goal. And so if that's the goal, I guess you shorten prison terms, I guess, I, you know, as much as I would hate to do that. Now, that's 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 part of it is releasing criminals early from their sentence. But here's the tagline. Regardless of their crimes. No, no and no. Criminals convicted of nonviolent crime, little to no time in jail at all. Mm. Little to no time in jail at all. I don't know what so, that exactly means. Well, that, I mean, that, that little uh, is. That, are we talking a few weeks, a month? Well, I'll 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 let you know. Here are the proposals that they're going to put in front of the legislature. Okay, the first one, if adopted, would allow prisoners quote. With approved housing plans, regardless of the offense or the sentence type, to serve the final 150 days of their sentence, 150 days, that's five months, in partial confinement on electronic home monitoring. Now, by the way, that costs money, too. Electronic home monitoring costs money. Yeah, it does. Okay. The DOC says this will support best practices for community safety and decreased recidivism. Now, I want to go back to this statement. Regardless of offense or sentence type. Now, okay. So So the rapist, child molester, Mm -hmm. violent criminal, domestic violence, all these things, that's the best practice for community safety and decreased recidivism is to put these... Violent offenders on five months of home confinement if they have a place to stay, because that will decrease recidivism. Look, we have been going in this direction for a number of years. Prisons have been overcrowded for a long time. Build ones. Well, I'm just saying the way that it's been dealt with before is to lower sentences and to keep that revolving door. And it's not helping. Uh, crime at all. So now they want to go a step further thinking. So uh, so this is all a cost cutting measure, right? This oh, is, yeah. OK, so, well, no, I, my oh, point it is absolutely. Okay, OK, my point is this isn't like a social justice warrior move. No, this is total cash savings. OK, absolutely. State's going to save a little dough. So if you're a rapist, manslaughter, uh, you killed someone in a DUI accident, uh, you're a repeat offender for a violent crime, child molester, wife beater. Hey, you have a place to stay? State's going to save some money. We'll get you out of here. Good to go. Five months with an ankle bracelet. We're not going to see you ever again, are we?
No, but you will see plenty of civil lawsuits from when these criminals repeat their offenses. I'm not saying they all will, but you know that most of them will. We have already had a number of situations mm-hmm. where people were released early, and within 72 yeah. hours, they were back in. Like, oh, I don't know how many of the ones that were released due to COVID yeah. were rearrested in three days? Oh, no, that didn't happen. Oh, oh. No, well, Governor, well, Governor just, Inslee it, it, has, has managed this pandemic perfectly. Yeah, he won't, he won't acknowledge that aspect of it. Look, this is why elections have consequences. Okay. Okay, so if, if, if I'm hypothetically, which I'm not, but hypothetically, if I was involved in Lauren Culp's campaign, I am getting every aspect of this that I can. I am diving into this, and I am blasting this during their debate. Absolutely 100% putting this out there for everybody to hear that you're going to put violent criminals back on the street with an ankle bracelet to save money in the DOC budget. There is not a category that is excluded on this. Not a single one. If you murdered someone. Now, what do they do with the people that are in there for life? Well, that's life. That's a little different. They can't, they can't be released. Well, I mean, if they're on their deathbed, I guess, uh, you know, they can release them so they can die outside the jail or something. With an ankle bracelet on. Um, now, they go into another one. Okay, go into another proposal. All right. If you're guilty of property or drug crime or anything nonviolent and non-sexual, you would serve little to no time in a facility. Criminals could serve all but 120 days in partial confinement or electronic home monitoring. So if your sentence is three years, eh, you're going to spend four months in prison and then you're going to be on an ankle monitor. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, I, look, it, it, I wonder if there is uh, money that is... There is uh, money in there that they are going to account for, again, for the civil lawsuits. There's going to be civil lawsuits. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, guys, this is Matt from Goldendale. What's up, Matt? Well, I Long time no talk. About 80%. 80% savings. Just contract with Mexico and have all the prisoners shipped down there and let them serve out their sentences. Yeah, I don't think we have that kind of a, a agreement with Mexico that uh, would allow us to do that. That would be a that would be a, a bit of a, a lot of hoops and red tape to cut through for that one. But so if, so that by the way, remember the first one we talked about. The first one we talked about violent criminals. They have a whole separate proposal for nonviolent criminals. Four months in jail. The rest of it on partial confinement on electronic home monitoring. That's even reoffenders. That's okay. that's that, there's no time. There's no cutoff on here on how many times you reoffend, anything like that. I mean, not only that, but DOC wants prisoners to earn fifty percent earn time for good behavior. So for good behavior, they can basically get a a a. Half a day off for for every day that they're on good behavior. Right now, it's thirty three percent. But if they're a violent or a sexual offender, they wouldn't get eligible. They wouldn't get be eligible for good behavior. They would just get to spend the last five months of their sentence on home confinement. So okay, yeah. so so you are you um, have just been convicted of murder mm-hmm. by a jury of your peers. Yep, you have been sentenced to. 20 years in prison. Yep. Okay. And that's 
Not from the high end. Yeah, that's the high end. Nowadays, mm -hmm. because those numbers have been going down. Um, you're saying that under this plan, you don't shiv somebody inside for a couple of years you're good to go. Well, violent criminals don't get that benefit. Oh, they don't. No, violent criminals well, don't get that. Well, let's call the ACLU. What the heck on that? Yeah, violent criminals or sexual offenders don't get the 50% the earned time. But they could spend the last five months in an ankle bracelet. You know, Granted, at that Look. point in time, it'll be 19 years in. But, you know, it will be very interesting to see because a lot of the ones that are being called into question are the sexual offenses. Yeah. These people who commit sexual offenses are going to be able to get out five months early with an ankle bracelet. There is no, no, no crime is excluded from being able to get released early under this plan. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, it's A-Track. What's up, man? From the, from the rooftops. Um, yeah, I'm just going to put this out there that if uh, I... If you, the sexual thing, you know, violent criminal, okay. I just think that we take it way too easy on anybody that touches children. That's all I'm going to say. Like, it shouldn't be, oh, a slap on the wrist. He's rehabilitated. No, you should just go get strung up and drugged behind a truck. I don't care who's mad at me for saying it. Hang them. I don't care. Get rid of every one of them that touches a kid inappropriate. Hang them all. Appreciate the call. Think about this as we go to break. How difficult it is for uh, prosecuting attorneys and, and police departments to get victims to come forward and put people away. If you say, yeah, we need your testimony to get this person convicted, but hey, in a couple of months, they might be coming after you because the state wants to save a few bucks. How's that going to go? Five four seven one six ten. Back after this. Give us your bottom line. Call 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. The phone number is 547-1610 if you'd like to get involved. Perfection Tire, four locations here in the Tri-Cities to serve you. From tires to shocks, struts, brakes, belts, hoses, tune-ups. If your car needs it, Perfection Tire can take care of it. Check out their website, PerfectionTire.com, or stop by one of the four locations in the Tri-Cities where they have been serving this community for decades. 547-1610 if you would like to get involved. And, and Ed, I'll tell you right now, you know, there's no guarantee that the legislature will pass any of these proposals. But one way that they will stall outside of, you know, no special session or anything else is if the victims' families of the crimes or the victims themselves speak up and speak out to the legislature. Yep. Because they are the ones that always get the short end of the stick. Always. The the victims of the families always get the short end of the stick in this in this garbage. And the, see, here's the thing though, and you're absolutely right. Where would that put the Democratic leadership in Olympia? Uh what position? Because they, they, I mean, th this kind of budget cut seems right up their alley right now. and But they also position themselves as being the party of the victim. So if you get testimony from victims' families, 
you know, don't let this rapist out after a month because he's going to come and do it again. Uh, then where is that going to put, uh, you know, the speaker and, you know, Senator Andy Billig and all the other Democratic leaders? Look, I mean, there was a high profile case. Well, there have been a number of them, but there was one particular high profile case on Whidbey Island. Yeah. Where somebody was released due to coronavirus. Yeah. Hit and run. By the way, was he in jail waiting charges on a hit and run? Yeah. Got out and committed another one. Yeah, but see, your the the defense will be, well, that's just one case and it's not a big deal. It's not a big problem. Yeah, and... unfortunately, if you go down and you look at the roles of who's released and who went back in, you'll see a a, a pretty significant percentage um of those that were released and those who for coronavirus and those who reoffended. Um but, you know, hey, it was more important that they didn't catch coronavirus than the life that they you know, took on Whidbey Island because eh, life for a life, I guess, right? I guess. According to the, the progressive outlook on, on things like this. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Joe from Walla Walla. What's on your mind, Joe? Hey, I know you're talking about DOC. You know, we talk about taking inmates and putting them out in the community on ankle bracelets. It's a revolving door. Now, I've got some knowledge of DOC and I'm retired. There's been some issues in the past where you let these guys out, they get out, DOC officers, community corrections officers can't keep track of them. It's going to be a revolving door. The taxpayers are going to pay. It's going to be a mess. DOC is panicking. They're looking at severe budget cuts. It's not going to be good for anybody. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Five four seven one six ten is the number to call to join the program. Here's the problem, though. When you're talking about the Department of Corrections, where do you cut? I mean, seriously, when, when you have overcrowding at most facilities, you know, most reasonable people, and just about all of our listeners, by the way, would probably say releasing criminals early, not the best option, but where do you cut? You you can't cut. You can't leave the inmate number the same and cut correctional officers. That causes problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, where where do you cut the electric bill? Well, okay. We heard we heard an earlier caller. You know, some of the lights out at three some, p.m. Some of the pleasantries that they get. Sure. Okay, but that's not gonna that's not gonna make a huge dent. No, I don't no, think. No, you know, they, you know, take away their their cable or satellite TV, that's not going to produce the kind of budget cut that they're supposed to. Then you start looking at, well, the hierarchy. Maybe they shouldn't make as much money as they are. You know, the The bureaucracy. I want to throw the Whidbey Island thing out again real quick. Just give you a couple details on that. The person that was released was 26 years old. Somebody who is not high risk for coronavirus. Okay. 26-year-old. Nothing about underlying health conditions as to why they were released. High on heroin, driving, hit the guy on a motorcycle, and ran away on foot. Mm. Ran away on foot. 26-year-old re-offender, high on heroin, released early because they were concerned about their safety. Well, apparently, DOC was more concerned about their safety than they were because they jacked themselves up with heroin and killed somebody. Hey, But you know what? TOC, 
You were very progressive that day. Congratulations. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. News Radio 610 KONA. It is the bottom line. 547-1610-509-547-1610. Talking uh, about the plan to cut... uh, Spending in many places across the state, including the DOC and uh, some of the more progressive uh, thoughts about how to spend and uh, cut that number uh, is also being discussed. Five four seven one six ten five zero nine five four seven one six ten. We've got uh, a number of different uh, things going on at once here, and uh, we hope to uh, bring bring on our uh, special guest. Uh, Rob is uh, going to be uh, talking with our very special guest and. Uh, mere moments. And Rob, is that our special that, guest? That is our guest. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the program Lee Smith. He's the author of the book, The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. Mr. Smith, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Appreciate you joining uh, us. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. And sorry to so, sort of held up uh, like that for a few minutes. Just about a, uh, a small thing with a baby. Yeah. Um, oh, trust me. <laughs> there, any, there are no any, small yeah. things with babies. <laughs> any parent out there knows what you're talking about. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they say. That's what the babies say themselves. Thank you very much. Sure, certainly. Speaking with you and your audience. Uh, Mr. You. Smith is a veteran journalist, three decades uh, in the industry, uh, has done everything from the Middle East to the 9-11 attacks, uh, and now looking at the Trump administration. And Mr. Smith, yeah. one of the reasons that we that we were very interested in talking to you about your book is um, General James Mattis is from our community, yeah. graduated from yeah. high school here, uh, and still makes a residence here. And yeah. uh, talk to us a little bit about first what you have uncovered as far as the yeah. beginning of all of this, and mm-hmm. what what role is General Mattis alleged to have played in yeah. any actions that would attempt to uh, disrupt the presidency of Donald Trump. Yeah, well, it's very unfortunate. It appears that um, it, it appears that General Mattis has played a very negative role. Um, and this, I mean, you've seen some of this come out in other reporting. I mean, maybe I should start with this most recently, as uh, as you know, was reported in uh, Bob Woodward's recent book that uh, according to his reporting, Mr. Mattis, General Mattis, and the former director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, were discussing the possibility of, uh, of removing the president from office, undoing the 2016 election, because they weren't happy with the way it was going. And, and their judgment was that the president, their judgment against that of the American public was that this president was not fit to lead the country. Uh, and that is uh, that's a big problem. So it, that that has continued up until uh, at least up until what we saw at the beginning of June, at the beginning of the George Floyd riots. Mr. General Mattis wrote a, an article in The Atlantic magazine where 
ignoring the ignoring the considerable amounts of violence, the the raising and looting of American cities. General Mattis pretended that these were in fact nothing but peaceful protests, including here in Washington D.C., where they lit a church on fire and they caused a, an enormous amount of destruction right around the White House. General Mattis chose to ignore that to pretend that they were they were instead conducting peaceful protests here in Washington D.C. And uh, that effectively sent a shot across the bow, not only the president, but the Pentagon's two top officials, civilian and military, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, and the uh, head of the Pentagon, Mark Esper, who then walked back their, astonishingly, walked back their support of the president in public. You, you may remember these, these were both on television, walked back their support of the president. And this, uh, maybe General Mattis and his colleagues and his comrades think that they were just uh, going after the Trump administration. As it turns out, that that's the president of the United States. He destabilized the government of the United States with these actions. So he is pushing this country into very dangerous territory, unprecedented territory. We're talking with Lee Smith, the author of The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. Now, Mr. Smith, you mentioned earlier that General Mattis and former Director Coates we're talking about a way to remove the president. What what exactly was the plan, if or was there a plan um, no. that they were going to pursue, or was it just talking that we need to get this guy out of here? Well, I mean, one of the conversations that's, I mean, we've seen this reported uh, since at least 2017, and this is something that was discussed by senior FBI officials at the time, as well as the former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, whether they were going to try to remove the president on account of the 25th Amendment. I mean, this is not why the 25th Amendment was designed, of course, but they were going to use it, use it as a lever for a coup. It, it's unclear yet what General Mattis and Mr. Coates had in mind. But again, I mean, that, that, that this is something else that has become normalized in the press and apparently here inside the Beltway, that it's okay when it's about Donald Trump when it's about uh, when it's about Donald Trump's presidency and the people who elected Donald Trump to be president, it's okay to speak like that. Unconstitutional, uh, uh, extra constitutional means appear to be okay when it's removing Donald Trump from office. When no one has ever spoken like this before about any president. We're talking with Lee Smith, the author of The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. Mr. Smith has been a journalist for over 30 years and has covered uh, situations everywhere from the Mideast to 9-11 and has written a number of books and appeared on a number of cable networks as well. Mr. Smith, I just want to be clear because as we mentioned off the top, you know, many in our audience are very familiar with uh, General Mattis. Yeah. are you saying that uh, General Mattis was a part of an attempt to overthrow the presidency of uh, of Donald Trump? That uh, you would have to go uh, again. I'm talking about two specific instances. And first of all, I should start uh, by saying that it, it's it's not just your you know your your, your the great area you guys are, are are speaking to me from. I mean here inside of Washington and all around the country, people have, have looked up to and admire General Mattis, his service, his record. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a, a, a fantastic testimony, not only to individual accomplishment, but what someone can do, you know, 
do in the service of their country. Nonetheless, General Mattis has made it quite clear, not only that he has a problem with this president, but that it's okay to use different means to destabilize the American government. Again, sending this, sending this warning shot out through the Atlantic, and then the response, what's important, what needs to be understood is the response. What happened with Mr. Esper? What happened with General Milley? How they then, again, bizarrely, in public, put distance between themselves and Donald Trump. Why? This was clearly prompted by General Mattis's article in the Atlantic of June 3rd. What is going on? Why do former Pentagon officials feel it's okay to warn, to, to warn current Pentagon officials about what's going on? That is none of their business. Donald Trump was elected by the American public, by the American electorate. This is not General Mattis's call to make. And insofar as that, uh, I, I, I can't vouch for his conversation with Dan Coates. That's according to Bob Woodward's reporting. But the idea that somehow there may come some time when they need to do something about Donald Trump, that should be worrisome to everyone. That should be worrisome to all Americans, regardless of who they voted, regardless of, of, of whether they know General Mattis or not. It's Again, this is very dangerous territory, but for a number of different reasons, which I go through in the book, The Permanent Coup, there are American, uh, current and former American officials. It started in the intelligence community in 2016. But through that time, people have taken it upon themselves to make certain decisions and do different things. But somehow they can get away with doing everything because Donald Trump is the president. And the people who elected Donald Trump are people they simply don't like. I mean, this starts again in 2016 when the FBI is spying on the Donald Trump campaign. That is that's illegal. It's inexcusable. So, yes, this is where we are now. Four years later, four years after that started, after an illegal spying operation by Barack Obama's spies on behalf of the Hillary Clinton campaign, which then rolls into Barack Obama taking over the surveillance campaign. Again, as I report in the permanent coup where he and Joe Biden this is documented. We've seen documents over the last several months showing that Barack Obama and Joe Biden directed the then chief of the FBI, James Comey, to have General Michael Flynn put under a phony investigation. So, again, this is what we've been watching the last four years. It's it's not only unprecedented. Right? It's horrifying. And Americans, again, regardless of who they voted for, should be not simply appalled, but concerned and, and keen to do something about it so that we get our, so that, so that we return to some sort of normalcy. In 2017, Barack Obama interfered with the peaceful transition of power by getting John Brennan to write an intelligence community assessment claiming that Donald Trump was elected by Vladimir Putin. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, it's incredible, right? He, what he did right then was delegitimizing not just the Donald Trump presidency, not just the election, but delegitimizing the vote of more than 60 million Americans who chose Donald Trump as their president. So, yes, again, unfortunately, that's the course of the last four years, which I document in the book. And it has led to, among other things, people like General Mattis believing that is up, that is up to them to make the choices about how to 
guide this country, unelected officials, unelected former officials like James Mattis, instead of the people of the United States electing their own leader, their own commander in chief, who sets policy and who makes decisions. And if people don't like the way it's going, they can throw them out of office in a constitutional manner, which is called an election. And that's what we're about to see in the next in a month and a half, an election. That's how it's supposed to go. We want that America back. And so far as General Mattis has taken that America off course, that's a big problem. We're talking with Lee Smith, the author of The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. Mr. Smith, I want to go back to uh, General Mattis and the article in The Atlantic and, and even some of the uh, other comments that he's uh, yeah. he made. After he left the administration, um, he didn't say a whole lot about his time uh, with the Trump administration. As it turns out, he came out with a book shortly after that. And then the Atlantic article. What? It, it's my understanding. Maybe you can correct me. It's my understanding that military personnel are not able to um, speak ill of their commander in chief, whether they're still uh, in service or not. Especially somebody as high ranking as General Mattis. Could he? Could he get into trouble from the military? Uh, for for simply speaking out, let alone being, you know, possibly a part of a of a coup attempt. Well, I I, I mean I, I don't know about that. I, I can't speak to I can't speak to the uni, uh, uniform code of military justice with any with any expertise at all. And I'll say as a journalist, I mean uh, I, I I I am one hundred percent freedom of speech. So even. If General Mattis should not have criticized Donald Trump, whether whether in office or out outside of office, that's frankly up to him, right? And if there's a problem with Donald Trump and 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 James Mattis, then Donald Trump should fire James Mattis, which is effectively what eventually happened. So to me, that's not the problem that James Mattis is speaking ill of Donald Trump. Again, that's not the problem. The problem is the problem is otherwise, right? The problem is making statements. To, well, first of all, he misled, misled the public with that Atlantic article. These were not peaceful protests, as people have now come to understand after the broadcast media and print media outlets have obscured this fact for the last several months. People have finally started to understand what, what's been happening in places like Portland, Oregon, what happened in, uh, what, what, what's been happening in Seattle, Washington, what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, what's happening in places like what's happening in places like my hometown, New York City. These are not peaceful protests that cost countless amounts of, of I, I, we have, as far as I know, we haven't tallied up the exact dollar, uh, the exact dollar count and the damage it's caused. But I mean, it's a, it, it's a crime spree, murder, arson, theft, assault. And so for General Mattis to write that these were peaceful protests, and that's why Donald Trump wanted to dispatch the military to protect American lives and American property. And General Mattis compared Donald Trump to a Nazi. And, and, and then he got Esper and Milley to walk back their defense of Donald Trump there when that when the administration, not just the administration, the country was under fire. This is not about it's not simply about a, a, a presidential administration. This is what the country. That's what these protests targeted. They targeted the foundations of the country. 
And that's the art, that's the case I make in my book. And that's what the coup is about finally as well. It's not just about Donald Trump. It's not about the Republican Party. It's not about a Republican president. It's about targeting the foundations, the principles on which the country is founded. It's, it's, it's shocking that this is what's going on. And so for General Mattis to obscure that, that, that fact, to obscure what's happening in the streets of American cities is, is bad enough. But then to uh, then to compel them to compel two top depending on I mean people who understood what was going on and believe and 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 take it from me in Washington many people did understand after that after that publication of General Madison and then General Milley and Mr Esper distanced themselves publicly from the president <clears throat> wow I mean that's again very dangerous territory. We're talking about we're talking with Lee Smith, author of the Permanent Coup: How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. Mr. Smith, if anyone's interested in picking up your book, where is it available? I always like to encourage uh, people to to patronize their local independent bookseller if they have them, and um, if they have one around them. I mean, especially now after the coronavirus, where a lot of our you know a lot of our neighbors who run small businesses have taken uh, taken a very hard hit. So I hope they will go to their local independent bookseller if they have one. And, of course, it's available on all the, all the big online sellers, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and, and, and others. Well, Mr. Smith, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank and, you very much. And I really discussing, appreciate it again. Absolutely. And discussing your book. And uh, be safe and well, sir. Thanks. You too. Thanks very much again. All right. Absolutely. Lee Smith, author of The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President, joining us here on The Bottom Line, News Radio 610 KONA. Take a quick time out. A lot to digest there. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. Quite a bit to digest. But uh, believe me, the day's not done yet. We've only scratched the surface on the crazy because it's Washington State after all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's there's still more crazy out there we haven't even gotten to we have a whole nother hour yet Ed. i know i just uh i know i know that there's there's a lot of listeners out there who are trump supporters who don't like the way uh that trump has been treated and agreed with a lot of what the author said but didn't like the fact that General Mattis may have also been a part of things. And we touched on it a bit yesterday. We're going to go into a little bit more depth in the next hour. What about local Trump supporters and how they're being treated, particularly school-age supporters?